Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I've been swimming again today. Oh, good. For the that first time nice. after two weeks. So That's excellent. Yes, it was excellent. I'm very tired though now. I'm not used to it anymore. Yes, you'll have to build yourself up. Exactly. It's funny how quickly that goes. I know it is. I think I think swimming especially because it sort of uses everything. Yeah. Very good. And you, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yes, and I wanted to know how your panel went on Friday. Oh, that went that went really well. So um, good. Yeah, it was. We had quite a lot of people coming. Excellent. So I think sort of more than a hundred. So and mix a mixture. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah, a huge it's great mixture of ages and excellent genders, as far as I could tell. So that was good and then Caroline Kuhn and um, Gina Birch and Alex Michon they all gave a presentation and they were all very different but they worked together really really well oh good um, how different so Caroline Kuhn was had written this um, speech she had didn't have a sort of powerpoint and she was mm. just standing in the middle of the stage and was sort of presenting it it was it and it was very engaging is not even the right word it was just really fascinating and she managed to link it to she even brought in the romans invading england and it was very my goodness she was great at always linking punk to other things so it wasn't there were sort of two or three times people sort of said so what should we what is our lesson from this you know what should we take away yeah she always said, well, you know, it's good to look at the past to learn from it, but you need to do your own thing, you know, don't yes. don't imitate it. At least that's how I understood what she said. Uh, so that, that was great. And then Gina Birch talked more about her time in the raincoats. Um, she started with this funny anecdote how she pulled someone in from the clash. Um, lend her two guns that she was using in a film that was about monsters <laughs> and how she transported yes and how, or one <laughs> monster maybe and how she transported them in um, her guitar case and how she was really worried that something would happen to her and that they would find her with these two guns <laughs> oh um, That's yes and then yeah she just it was a lot about being a fan and meeting you know she she her friend Alex Michon was also there, made clothes for the clash. So she hung out with them quite a bit, but she said she was just such a big fan. She was so shy. She didn't dare talk to them. And, oh, wow. And she talked, yeah, she talked about how amazing it is to be a fan and how also how, yeah, quite a bit about shyness and about, at some point she mentioned blushing, which oh. I thought was so interesting because I used to blush when I was a teenager. I blushed mm. all the damn time. Yeah. And at one point, people in my class, they figured that out and they made me blush on purpose. You know? Oh, no, that's so mean. Yeah. So I, when she said that, I thought, oh, my God, I haven't blushed. You know, I still haven't. It happens occasionally, but quite rarely yes. now. Yeah. But it used to be such a thing. And and also about, I thought she she talked a bit about notions of attractiveness and I, I don't know it would that was really interesting and then and Alex Michel spoke quite a bit about the clothes that she and Christina Koloska made for the clash and what they meant and how often people thought they were inspired by the military but they they weren't inspired by that at all they didn't look 
back uh, at all at sort of other things that tried to make mm. something new and how they weren't actually as militaristic as people think they are and but she also sort of linked it in with other people using clothes to say something and it was generally quite a bit a sort of rallying cry about not giving up the fight against bad things so mm. so very inspiring and um so yeah it was really i really not sure i'm not sure i would say i enjoyed it because i was you know i you sort of feel you need to keep it all together somehow and i'm not sure yeah, I, I so you're ter- kind of yeah. focusing on on making sure it all goes well yeah yeah everyone talks enough and, yeah. yeah i wish i could i wish we'd recorded it which i don't think we have um so i could sort of re-watch it or, or re-listen yes. to it not watching definitely not watching but anyway yeah so i i think that it went well great. yeah and it sounds like it's such a good jumping off point from the from the clash display well. yes yeah it worked really well together so it was good but what Excellent. about well what done. about you what what have you been doing well just getting on with my research maybe. Mm-hmm. but i had a lovely morning out with wonderful allison mm-hmm. you know, oh yes allison, yes who I love. and we went because you see we were going we did intend to go to the african textiles exhibition at oh, SOAS, yeah. which looked very good and we were all excited we had out time to meet and then we realized it's shut on mondays oh mm. so thank goodness we realized so we went to this exhibition at the science museum and neither has it been to the science museum for years so it's quite good fun just to go to the science museum mm. um it was called the art of innovation from the enlightenment to dark matter and it was fun is it an exhibition or a new gallery it's an exhibition oh, okay and it was good i think it's really fascinating and given the scope it's it's almost like i felt like it was sort of snapshots to encourage you to think more about an amazing array of things in terms of the way art and science and technology intersect and the ways it it kind of enriches how you think about each area and how they how they are completely interdependent and that you have to think about them together so it starts with the um, with an amazing right of derby painting mm-hmm. and i love the way they're lit is so exquisite yeah. but then it goes on and it has quite a quite a few sections on textiles and and you did kind of feel i don't know i kind of just felt really inspired by it because like each new section you sort of thought oh and like some of it was familiar like Annaline dies oh yeah so did um, they have any mauve things or they did well mm. it was fun because they had they had a dress and when we were walking up to it we were both like but that's not Annaline mauve it's it's too dull but it was because it was faded so it was good because you could see the really really bright that kind of you know knock your eyeballs mm. out bright mauve um like in the creases at the top of the skirt and sort of in parts so it was interesting to see that and the way it aged because of course Annaline Day I thought was meant to be permanent but clearly not but anyway and then it had I love like sample things so it had a lovely two strips of card with you know like a few threads of each color of dye Mm. I mean those things just please me enormously yes oh I love those they please me enormously Mm. like gorgeous and like files with with the aniline dye in it and then obviously um, information about perkin and all that sort of thing so that was really interesting and it also had like a really beautiful voicey 
woven fabric as well to sort of show how you know like Voisy et al were rejecting these oh, manufactured mm, dyes mm. and looking to natural color and the contrast between the effects that you get in it so that was nice and they had what's that the, the film the man in the white suit they had a really good clip from that where i can't remember the actress's name but she's saying I, I took a screenshot she's saying he's made a new kind of cloth it never gets dirty and it lasts forever which i really enjoyed and i liked that kind of sense of what what can science like the idea that science and manufacturing can transform textiles and make these kind of wonder textiles and this kind of constant search for the perfect textile so there was also there was a 1950s like a prototype night dress in um, oh okay Mm. yeah and and like samples of it and these sort of ideas of what you know what new transformative things this textile can do and I really I really enjoy those and it made me want to go and look up there's I think it was maybe the British Council has got them, that there's really lovely um, little video, um, not videos, obviously, like film clips from the 50s, I feel, on weaving and different kinds of weaving and the contrast between traditional fabrics and new fabrics. Oh, yeah. It also reminds me, um, there was this journal by a chemical company called, I don't know, actually, I think they're Swiss, and I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce it, it's like, Sibagaigi or something like that. Oh yes. And they used to I think they made dyes and other things to do with textiles and they used to produce this little journal that also had oh, articles lovely. about um dress history in it. So they were Oh my god. I don't that know who fabulous. I don't know sometimes they had really interesting stuff in it. I don't know who the target market was for that. I don't know who they send these things to. There were sort of these little little brochures and with sort of quite academic sometimes articles about stuff mm. in the past it's quite quite oh, odd nice. mm. but and they, and they had um like samples of the first knitted nylon tubing and like bits of the machinery goes into that so that i thought was really wonderful and it was like fun to see it as someone who's seen those things in the past it was fun to see them but i feel like it would be brilliant like as a snapshot for for someone who doesn't hasn't seen these things, you know what I mean? That it yes. kind of it really, as I say, both of us were kind of oh and this and this, and it was also really good because then you also had things about like time and motion studies and and like chronophotography, so things that are recording the body and the speed mm. of the body and the way the body moves, and then how that's being applied to industry. So you you very quickly connected science and technology to the body in two ways of like the worker and how it's impinging on what they do and kind of scientific you know studies of the body and also then applied to how you would work more efficiently oh yes but then also how you might be wearing those things so it might be altering you that way Mm. and I also really enjoyed not dress but I know you'll enjoy this too they had like a wooden strip that had colorful like sort of triangles that were like made of different components and they apparently at Roundtree's chocolate factory people who were going to work boxing chocolates they would get them in the interview to do this test to see how quick and efficient they were putting together the triangles in the you know the triangle shaped holes to see whether you'd be good at doing which kind of blew my mind it was uh, brilliant yeah they were from it was like from the interwar period 
and then you know they had a picture of the production line which is very unproduction line looking but again I liked I mean I just thought it was kind of wonderfully hilarious but also kind of awful idea of Mm. people's bodies being trained and utilized and thought of as machines so they're as efficient as possible it's it's very capitalist so that was interesting sorry to interrupt did did they make links to today well they kind of leave it up to you because they mm. then you know you kind of go through and and you have historical case studies and in some case and it's usually like a contemporary artist who's inspired by or connected with so what they had was they had you know things about factories and then like a lowry painting okay um to think about it in that context and then they also had um you know mybridge photographs to Mm. go with the chrono photography so you, it kind of builds as you go along because by the time you got to the end, you were kind of carrying it all with you because, because either thinking about it or talking to it, you know, with the person you go with, you're you're continuously making connections. Oh, yeah. now. Do you mm. know what I mean? It, it, yeah. Um, I think you really do that, and it had a real range of things, and it had the the series of um, textile designs that were made in the fifties inspired by microscopic studies of atoms for example and like blood and things so that was really interesting to see and that sense of kind of the wonder of what you can find inside the body and in nature but then it gets turned into something a repeat pattern so it's it's quite factory like again Mm. and sort of festival of britain stuff but the thing that the the area that most struck me i mean it was incredibly rich and like at the end, one of the last things which I absolutely loved, both of us really loved, was it has Cornelia Parker had created this artwork from um, apparently one of Einstein's blackboards with his writing on it had, has been preserved. And she did really, really close-up photographs of the chalk. So it's just like, almost like granular pictures of the chalk. So it's just these marks against you know white on black Mm. so amazing um so it's really fun and really fascinating but the thing that I keep kind of going back to in my mind is the prosthetics because it it's it's sort of really interesting as I said already the way that you swing between being like wow, this amazing new technological thing, and then thinking about how it's applied in the real world. Yeah. And so there are some things like the bicycle that you still feel quite, you feel fond of bicycles. Yes. and You have Boccioni's, you know, expression of speed in the bicycle and the body. And But then the, the section on prosthesis was about the First World War. Mm. And so suddenly technology becomes this incredibly threatening, destructive thing that's against human bodies and because of um like machine gun because of soldiers thinking that they could put their heads above a tent trench and get down again faster than a bullet could move there were all these terrible injuries Mm. during the war um so it really it was very disturbing because what they had was they first of all had um, an arm with a hand which was from Germany and it was from late, sorry, early 20s rather to 1930 
and it's this very sort of beautiful polished wood with some kind of silver coloured metal at the wrist and then a, a white toned hand but then it also has with it four different tools so there's that could be screwed in instead of the hand shaped oh. tool I guess. Mm. so it has like a hook and a hammer and like a pincher thing that you could grab things and a thing that is almost like a vice that you could really grip something hard and there's a photograph with it of an injured soldier like still in his uniform working in like a carpentry or something but his sleeve is cut off raw near Mm. the shoulder like it's as though it's a short sleeve coat and then he's got this metal hand coming out with Mm. a gripper on it so it's really it's disturbing obviously because it means he's been injured in this really violent way and the kind of aftermath of that but also there's this idea that technology can kind of heal him and make him improve him and make him a better worker Mm. that he'll be even you know he'll be enhanced by having this metal hand that can do these different that you can have these different screw-in attachments it's like a cyborg like a pre-cyborg exactly Mm. that and it's really yeah it's really kind of shocking and Mm. it's it, I think it's like, it, especially in that context, because you're seeing science in a, such a positive way. And clearly it is positive. And it's good that they could and can help amputees. But it was also kind of you were thinking exactly what are they being helped for? Like, mm. what is the goal here? And then there was um, there were two prosthetic legs. And the first one, they're both World War One and just after period the first one is so rough it's i think what they were given first mm. and it's it's like a wooden hollow bit that the the remains of your leg would mm. go into and then just like a stump just like a stick of wood and then this big thick leather belt almost that goes over your shoulder oh god mm. and you just kind of look at it and you're just thinking how would you manage that? Mm. How it would be so slippy and so difficult, and this kind of you know this idea that your body's already been completely transformed mm. through injury, and psychologically you've been transformed through this injury, and then you're adding this thing that you can never forget about mm. because it's so difficult to manage. And then next to that was a metal leg that was obviously more advanced that had a hinge at the knee and a foot and had more of a contraption that kind of goes around your waist with Mm. an actual belt, but then also around your shoulder. And like a photograph of somebody making and and carving these wooden legs. And again, it's kind of the shock of also then it, because then I think it's really an interesting juxtaposition that it then talks about Dada artists and like Max Beckman and uh, in particular and their photographs, sorry not photographs, their, their drawings and paintings of injured soldiers and their kind of revulsion for the way that machinery had destroyed all these bodies and that there was this desire to hide injured servicemen after the war that, that once the war was over it was almost like 
let's just forget that happened mm. or let's not forget but like repress the horror and what's happened so the returning soldiers are living in this kind of terrible limbo almost where they're back which is good but they're not back as they were before they're mm. back in this injured state and there's a max backman drawing that's that's there's an injured there's an amputee and he's also got really severe injuries to his face and it made me think of like henry tonk's paintings um sorry pastels have you seen those i I ha I haven't, or maybe I have. There was another exhibition at the Science Museum. Now that you say that, which was about faces, I think, or bodies, uh, and I have a feeling. I think. Well, explain what they are. But I, I suddenly, when well, you said that, I thought. I think when you said pastels, I thought. I think I've seen this. Yeah. yeah well, Henry talks trained, I think, as a surgeon, but then kind of by a circuitous route ended up teaching art at the Slade, but then kind of ends up. What he, I think, what he's best known for now are the they they were lost, you know, they were secret. He did a series of pastels of servicemen returning to England, and he did like before and after sketches because there were various doctors. I think Gillies is one of them who were working developing plastic surgery at mm. that time, and so you have first of all this pastel of someone with a really you know, sometimes with a whole side of their face missing mm. or no nose, and then them after, you know, sometimes years of surgery and multiple surgeries. And, like, they're, they're really compelling images, and there's obviously there's, like, emotion and empathy within them. And it's, it's sort of fascinating to look at those in comparison to photographs at the time because the photographs of the injured servicemen, you can hardly bear to look at mm. the... And, and the pastel, because it's kind of rendered in this very, literally very soft and almost like comforting medium, I think. I also wonder whether it. you have, because it's often, you know, maybe you unconsciously associate with what, you know, I would associate pastel with 18th century and, yes. you know, maybe that's also yeah, no, in I your think, head when you look at them. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think his choice of medium makes you look in a different way and yeah. engages you in a completely different way and they they were secret you know they weren't publicly known and i think they were uh, they were first shown in like 2002 or something like a long time after they'd actually been made mm. and then i was also thinking about the like i think it's it's really kind of i don't know like the way that plastic surgery developed after i mean plastic surgery dates back centuries mm. but the the kind of development in it post first world war because there were so many men who were yeah. really badly facially injured and i was thinking as well there's that anna coleman lad who was a sculptor who made casts of of oh sorry it's coda yeah. um who made casts of injured soldiers faces and then created really thin copper masks Oh, and painted them. Yeah, and painted them. And Mm. they're so incredible. And there's such a kind of... It's really interesting, again, the way it's this blurring between between art and science, both because often what's remembered is the... Well, what is remembered are the doctors who were involved in plastic surgery at the time or reconstruction at the time and not the victims, that the victims Mm. are kind of 
these anonymous faces and it's sort of interesting that way or but I also, disturbing that way. While you were just talking, I was mm. also thinking about the fact that when you take a photo, it doesn't take very long. But yes. presumably, I, I assume he made the pastels from real life rather than yes. from photos. Yeah, and, that's true. That's and a really I think good point. that must have, in some way, I wonder how a that would have taken some time, but I, for the for the person who made them. But also, I wonder what that was like for for the injured um, service yes. person because I think I can imagine that a lot of the time people wouldn't want to look. And, no, exactly. Mm, and then having no. someone who actually is looking, I That's wonder whether that was point. helpful or. Um, no, I think I think the 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 kind of question of being seen is really central because most of the wards because a lot of these men just went into hospital and pretty much never came out because they they couldn't bear to show their families and mm. friends or their fr friends and families were scared and recoiled from them and it is like it's this sort of terrible semi-secret that people kind of know but don't know and they didn't put mirrors on the um wards where these men were mm. and there were like instructions to nurses that you must look them directly in the face because so many people couldn't bear to do that so I think I hope there was something therapeutic in being seen and mm. someone putting in the time and the energy of creating these pastels but but also the the kind of stages that went into creating the masks as well I mean I don't think the masks were actually very effective yeah mm. um and there's there's like one of the doctors talks about seeing someone in one of them that had got really kind of battered because if, if you imagine it's like really like paper thin copper and then at first they used oil paint but that flaked so they started using some enamel I don't quite know to make it but it had they'd got really battered because I'm, I'm sure it must be really easy to batter <laughs> Yes, that, yeah. and and the way it's kind of like they make casts there's film of her of of her studio in paris where they make a cast of of the soldier's injured face and then they kind of have to make a mask that will support the injury but then mask it for want of a better word with this smooth exterior mm. and often there were either like tiny ties that went around your ears or more often spectacles like fake oh, spectacles yes. mm. that you put the spectacles on and mm. that creates your face mm. and it, and, the, and they kind of like put in plastic surgery and with these masks they, and, and the prosthetics they were increasingly realizing how important the aesthetic side is to the psychological state of the soldiers mm. that it's not just you know putting a hook on your hand and saying well you're a better worker now yeah. that would make them feel whole and make them feel like themselves and make them feel masculine again and so how, yeah that I'm, I'm just wondering how mm. because it's such a it's such a sensitive subject how how they talked about it in the exhibition or well in the exhibition they just have the prosthetics they don't i i kind of jumped off thinking about the facial injuries oh, okay mm. they have they have the actual like as i said the the arm and hand and the tools and mm. two prosthetic legs and then they have um the beckman and talking about weimar so they talk about the the destruction of the world of world war one and the kind of machinery used which really you know, increased the, the injuries 
by you know by the thousand and then they they show the things that were made and people making them mm. and then they show the response of the dadaist artists to mm. seeing you know to having gone through the war themselves and to also seeing veterans on the street who had been damaged in mm. these ways I think it's just such... I mean, I think that it's really worth going to the exhibition because it does cover so much. And it, as I say, it really... Like, I keep kind of thinking about different aspects of it. Um, I think it's a very... I think it's very thoughtful. And it, it, you know, it doesn't say much about each thing, but it gives you enough that it gets you thinking, which, yeah, which maybe, is actually really nice. I wonder whether this is a new trend in in exhibitions. I, I have Do you a, think? I don't know. I have a feeling, you know, not to say as much maybe as people yeah. used to. Or it's maybe something I I will watch. Um, you keep your eye open. I keep that, my eye open. That's a really open. interesting idea, yeah. Miss Yeah. And yeah. I will go. I, I haven't been. I actually, I love the, I love both the natural history and the science museum. And I haven't I, been for for quite a while. No. So I'll make it. I'm desperate to go. Maybe we can go together. I really love the the um, gem yes, galleries. Yes. I wonder Please, whether they're still less old, traditional, shall we say, as they used to I be. I think a they whole, are. Whole. I, I hope so. Yeah. But I feel like we should just spend a morning. Yes. We can buy some in, as well in the <gasps> shop to take home. Oh, my God. We yeah. could. Well, let's... Okay. Well, I'm going to be waiting at the front door for you to okay. pick me up and take Okay. Me. Yeah. Because that's too good. Yeah. Okay. Great. Fabulous. Fabulous. All right. Well, see you soon then. See you soon. Bye. Bye.